This episode of Roadie Radio is brought to you by free outdoor Wi-Fi at your library. Park or sit outside at your local Ocean State Library and connect to the library parking lot network. No password or library card required. There is no time limit on outdoor Wi-Fi, so feel free to enjoy a beautiful day while getting work done, binging your favorite show, or playing online games. This project has been made possible with generous funding from the Rhode Island Take It Outside Initiative and the Rhode Island Foundation, with a generous donation of equipment from the Information Technology Disaster Resource Center and through partnerships with OCEAN, the Ocean State Higher Education Economic Development and Administrative Network, and your local public library. You're listening to Roadie Radio, Rhode Island Library Radio Online. I'm Taylor, branch librarian at the Oaklawn branch of the Cranston Public Library and host of our weekly podcast, Downtime with Cranston Public Library, and my pronouns are she, her. This week, we're sharing an excerpt from an episode in conversation with Michael Donnelly, director of photography at the Providence Journal. He joined us to talk about his book series, Rhode Island Memories, featuring photos from the ProJo's archives. You'll also hear our regular segment, The Last Chapter, where we discuss a library or bookish question. This week... We answer the question, are you the kind of person who reads several books at once or the kind of person who can only read one book at a time? Enjoy. Hi, I'm Robin Nizio. I am the branch librarian at the William Hall Library, part of the Cranston Public Library, and my pronouns are she, her. And I'm Michael Delaney, Director of Photography and Graphics at the Providence Journal and the author of Rhode Island Memory Books that we'll be talking about today. And my pronouns are he and his. Thank you for joining us today. Well, I I will jump in and say uh, that libraries have just been a tremendous part of our lives. As you can see, uh, you know, books are part of the culture of our house. Uh, My my wife is a writer. Uh, My brother is a writer. My grandfather was a writer. So we kind of grew up with all that. And I think even before our girls could walk, when they were just tiny babies. Um, my wife, Janet, was taking them to Story Hour at the local Lincoln Library, and uh, we had books in front of them. And uh, they've really grown up with a love of reading, so uh, I think it's great that uh, libraries continue to soldier on. So that's how we ended up inviting Michael to be a guest on Downtime, because before I came to the Cranston Public Library System, I had spent the previous four years enjoying a stint as assistant director at the Lincoln Public Library. And during that time, some of my responsibilities were a little bit different. I would help post for social media. I would send in press releases to the local papers. And I saw, this was back in the fall, actually in 2019, that the Providence Journal was hosting some, you could subscribe, subscribers could sign up to come over and meet Michael Delaney and his photographers and learn a little bit more about how photos get into the newspaper and go and actually do some photography under their guidance. And I thought, wow, that would be a really cool thing. It would sort of relate to what I do at the library. So I was able to get out of work to go and participate. And I met Michael, learned that he lived in Lincoln. And then we started talking about these books uh, called Rhode Island Memories that he has been one of the people. He, you're the primary editor on it? I do the research, editing, and writing, yes. Yeah, so it's uh, almost a one-person kind of thing. 
<laughs> so in case anyone has not seen these books, they're a little bit of an oversized, almost like a coffee table style right. book with photos from different eras. You can tell us a little bit more about the, the books sure. and how you decided to put them together. Absolutely. Well, uh, I guess it relates to the fact that, and it's hard for me to say this, this is my 43rd year in the newspaper business. And uh, it's kind of shocking when I pull out a photo from our file from 40 years ago, and it actually has my handwriting on it. So it's a little bit uh, sobering to see that. But you wow. know, the, the journal and newspapers everywhere uh, have this unique group of people called photographers or photojournalists, and they're going out and they're documenting life in their various communities every day. And to me, in addition to the news value, there's a great historical record that's involved in that. Uh, when I started at the journal, um, you know, we had 20 staff photographers, and uh, we had various bureaus around the state, and just doing uh, daily journalism, having people talk to us and letting us into their lives to photograph them was really quite a thing. So uh, the journal, uh, you can't keep everything. And uh, people call us pretty regularly saying, do you have a newspaper from 1940 that I could look at? And, well, it's all in microfilm. But one of the things that we do keep on hand are a large um, library of 8 by 10 glossies that go back into the 19th century. And I remember asking one of our own in-house librarians. We actually used to have a uh, private library staff at the journal, um, how many photos were in there. And the number we're pretty sure is accurate is one million. So uh, it, wow. uh, it's, it's quite a quite a group of uh, images. So uh, as things happen in this world, we were changing. The building was being renovated a few years ago. And we were changing floors. We were going from the first floor to the second floor. That's what architects do. They move you around. And there was going to be a cost involved in moving all those photos. I mean, they physically weigh a ton. I mean, it's shelves and shelves and boxes. And uh, to their credit, the managers of the journal said, yes, we, we understand the value in this. And talking to our publisher uh, at the time, I quipped, and I think there'll probably be a way we can make some money from these photos. And she said, great, that quarter year. And uh, later on, I was asked, how am I going to do that? And I said, I have no idea, but I know there's something out there. Well, the whole idea of the book publishing uh, came up, and uh, we were hooked up with a uh, book publishing uh, printing outfit in Washington State called Pediment Publishing, and they had experience in doing these types of books. And uh, we signed a contract, and we had never done anything like this, uh, because whenever you do publishing, there's always a risk involved. So we uh, said, all right, we're going to do this. We think there's a market out there for our readers to enjoy this type of publication. I got uh, nominated to be the person in charge of this, and it was really a great experience. Uh, I like to write. I, I do a column and a newsletter and those types of things for the journal, but uh, actually sitting down and uh, filling over 200 pages uh, of a hardcover book was kind of a, a new challenge for me. But um, going back to the photos, uh, particularly ones that are very historic, uh, it really is like a time machine, uh, things that are long gone now. And things like pictures of our own state house that everybody's familiar with under construction, um, you can't help but stop and look at those photos and be fascinated by them. So uh, I wrote uh, the 
copy for it. I did the editing of the photos and the assembly of them. Uh, a good friend of mine and now retired executive editor of the journal, Alan Rosenberg, uh, he and I started about the same time, so we've been through a lot together. Uh, he was very kind and edited my copy, but it uh, luckily did not need a lot of work. He was uh, very nice to me about that. And uh, we kind of held our breath and sent it off to the printer. And uh, we were going to be very happy if the uh, book sold between 16 and 2,000 copies. And uh, we sold about five times that amount. Uh, so uh, it was a, oh, I don't know, I guess you could say a Rhode Island bestseller. And uh, I <laughs> joked uh, with my wife, Janet, that I felt like a Z-list celebrity uh, because uh, people actually came to our book signing. We had a real book signing at Barrington Books. People showed up and uh, wanted my autograph, which I never thought they would. And uh, it was really just a fun, fun experience. So, uh, of course, everybody loves a success. So once that happened, uh, the company immediately said, can you do two more books? And uh, you know, I actually do have a job managing the photo staff. So it was really sort of a labor of love for me because in addition to showing people what the past was like, I really um, put a lot of effort into giving credit to the photographers who created that work. Um, you know, we don't think about it too much. And Robin was just referencing, you know, going out with an iPhone and that kind of thing. But for photographers to work at a newspaper, you have to be able to do anything at any time. Bad weather, bad conditions, people who don't want to have their picture taken. Like, for example, if we go to court or that type of thing, um, you have to be able to come back with a photo and do it on deadline and do it accurately. And all that is a tremendous amount of work. And so I wrote various uh, passages in all the books about uh, the kind of adventures some of the photographers had and what they were up against. And uh, I really uh, thought that was important to tell people about that. So the second book uh, was about the 1940s and 50s. And uh, Rhode Island, again, was a very, very different place uh, back in those days. There was no interstate highway. Uh, the war was on in the 1940s, so there was a huge shipbuilding industry here, a lot of things that were just different. So to uh, be able to present that to people again uh, was satisfying. In this last book, uh, we talked about really where it would cover. And so it went from 1960 to 1999. And uh, that's kind of getting into modern era. Uh, but still, um, the 1960s in Rhode Island uh, were different as well. So we, we covered that, and uh, we started using color photographs in the paper in the 1980s. I was one of the people in charge of that, and that was a big change for us. So uh, the first two books were purely black and white, but uh, the third book had some color photos in it as well. So that was, that was kind of fun. So it's been, a, it's been a very interesting experience. All the books sold well. And uh, it's, I like to go in to look uh, once in a while. I'll click on the Rhode Island Library website, and I'm happy to see the fact that they're all in copies of them in almost all the libraries around the state. And a lot of them are checked out all the time. <clears throat> so even for people who may not be in a position to purchase one, uh, you could still check them out at the library and enjoy them that way. I thought it was really interesting, Michael, when you allowed folks to contribute photos to this book or suggest photos. We did. And that was part of our approach that um, the journal has so many photos. You know, even 
let's say just from the 1940s and 50s, that book could have been a thousand pages, not 200 very easily. And I had people reach out to me saying, gee, it would have been good if you had put X in. And I, I said, it's the most difficult thing to really do that type of editing. And uh, so, yeah, uh, I think that uh, when we put a picture in a book like that, um, it's it's really got to have some thought behind it. So, um, you know, we, we did our best to try to cover as much as we could. So, um, Michael, do you have any advice for any aspiring photojournalists out there or just photographers who want to capture the, the current moment and the things that are going on? Sure. Uh, I'll offer this anecdote. We had the great writer, Frank McCourt, come to the journal uh, a number of years back. And uh, he was very, as you would expect, engaging and entertaining, talking to uh, the staff. And uh, somebody said, what do you say to somebody who's just starting? And he answered in one word, scribble. And uh, so uh, I, I would say the same thing to somebody who's an aspiring photojournalist. I would say just go out and start shooting pictures. And also, if you really want to be in photojournalism, it has to do with stories about people not just sunsets, not just pictures that you might take on a vacation. Um, we, had, we hired a photographer a number of years ago named Mary Beth Meehan, and she was working in Boston in the North End, and she was working as a waitress uh, at a restaurant up there, and she would work as a waitress at night, and then she would take pictures of that neighborhood during the day, and she ingratiated herself with all the local shopkeepers and people who had lived there for so long. And what she really did was construct a narrative, uh, really a document, about the changing North End of Boston. And I just thought it was terrific. And she applied. We had an opening for a, a photographer then. And I just thought it was great. And I said, gee, we have to get her to do this for us. And we did. So uh, if someone is going to go down that road, uh, you have to think about what the narrative is. Um, you know, you don't sit around waiting for great ideas to happen. You have to work for them yourself. And uh, they don't have to be extraordinary. They can be very subtle and very quiet. Uh, one of our photographers, uh, Connie Grosh, did a column, a photo column for a number of years, and it was just called A Wedding. So she would call people up and say, can I come to your wedding? And she would get these great photos uh, of families celebrating. She would write a short story to go with it. And it was terrific. So uh, I think those types of things are really important skills to have in photojournalism. Is it more challenging now, Michael, with the digital presence of the journal? Do you have to have more photography rather than just it putting out the print edition? Well, that's absolutely true. Um, at the journal's website, uh, we have, in addition to everything that's in the paper, we have the podcast, we have videos, we have galleries, we get to only a certain amount of pictures can make it into the paper, uh, but uh, we have a really almost unlimited amount of space online. So uh, I actually do a newsletter where I talk about photography at the journal, uh, which uh, people can subscribe to, and it is free, so uh, there's uh, something to be seen there. But yeah, uh, I think when it comes to photojournalism, part of the deal uh, when I was starting was you had to be an expert 
lab person. Uh, you had to be able to develop the pictures and make the prints and do them in a very, very quick way. So all that is kind of absent now. If you have a laptop and a digital camera, uh, you can be completely mobile and go wherever you want. So in one sense, it's easier uh, because the uh, the cameras are much better and all that. So uh, I would say if you're going to go in that direction, um, just start a story and stick with it. Don't give up on it and put a set of pictures together. And if you can, at the same time, include something else like a video or um, a slideshow that would complement it. Michael, when you were talking about kind of like latching on to that human element, and, and I think these books kind of bring that out. I know a lot of times like learning history, I didn't always think history was super interesting like as a subject in school because it was like a lot of memorizing dates and learning about different wars and stuff. And that was something that just like wasn't personally interesting to me. What I was really interested in is like how people live their everyday life at a certain moment in time. These books that you put together, but also just these collections of photos at the Projo is kind of like a way for you guys to preserve this history that like doesn't make it into history books, like how people dress and how people live their lives and have it be on a much more like personal level than all the major historical events that happened at a particular time. Well, we definitely included some of the major historical events like the hurricanes and all that, but you know, day-to-day life isn't about that when it comes to photojournalism. The the moments are much more quiet than that. And just uh, people's families or people working, what they did for work, you, know, you forget how this state was just completely full of mills where thousands of people would work uh, day and night. And uh, that's just a, a bygone thing. And the photographers were able to capture it. Uh, the fashions are certainly kind of a curiosity, uh, people wearing hats and dresses and everything else they don't wear now. I also quipped in one of the uh, books about how the Rhode Island joke is, uh, one person says, do you know where that is? And they give them a landmark that's not there anymore. And you say, that's where that used to be. Well, in a way, these books are about where things used to be. So even ordinary photographs uh, of downtown that were taken, let's say, in the 1930s, you say, well, I can see the state house, but look at that railroad yard or look at the factory building. And it's kind of fascinating just to kind of absorb it. So uh, there's a lot of that, too. So we always wrap up the show with the segment that I call the last chapter. We answer a bookish or library related question just to give our opinions on it. We talk a lot about what people like to read and like talk a lot about genre and stuff. But I'm always curious about, like, how people read. So my question for you guys today is, are you the kind of person who reads several books at a time? Or can you only read one book at a time? Um, I know some people can go, like, one nonfiction, one fiction, but that's their cap. Um, I think uh, having grown up uh, and going my whole life in Catholic school, uh, I was kind of trained to read several books at a time. So, yes, there'll be some times that I'll get into one book like the, the, the Churchill book. And I will say that author really did keep it going. You know, it's kind of daunting to pick up this big thing and have it in your lap for that amount of time. But, uh, 
he would that was one I, I went straight through on. But I'll, I'll I'll read a couple of chapters in a book. You know, we subscribe to the New Yorker, so we'll read that for a while and wait till the next issue comes in. So we'll we'll sort of go back and forth. Uh, I will uh, just the way I, I kind of read books. So uh, and that might be something in the news, for example, that triggers my interest in something. And uh, I'll say, gee, I should read up on that. And uh, uh, also my uh, daughter, uh, now going to Holy Cross, uh, and my my other daughter, Grace, uh, who's at Lincoln High School, we talk about books and what they're reading. And so uh, having been uh, taught by the Jesuits myself at one point, uh, she's getting into the kind of the Jesuit frame of mind up there and talking about philosophy and, and all that. So um, I just... Uh, you got a, a book that uh, she read and uh, she shared with me about uh, meditations and things like that. That uh, it's kind of fun to go back and read it again and uh, just think about it in a different way. That's nice. I've been going through phases where sometimes I'll say, I'm just going to read this one book and focus on one book at a time. But right now, I've got a book on the Kindle that I'm reading, which is a preview copy of a novel that's coming out. So I've got that one going. I'm listening to a book uh, from Overdrive through the library's app, which is a continuation of the book that we discussed here for the Reading in the Hall book discussion group for January. And then I've got a book in print also. So that's what I've got two fiction and one nonfiction going right now. Very good. If if I may say so, too, you know, uh, one of the things that I'm very honored by is working with top reporters and writers every day and uh, just seeing how they approach stories and there are a lot of obstacles it's not writing fiction you have to get facts and a lot of times the facts are difficult to sort out uh, and there's been a lot of negativity i want to say over the last four years of uh, you know the press and all that but uh, i can tell you from personal experience that the people that i work with are just top-notch hard-working people and uh, i was going to say you know uh, we've talked about different things that are offered uh, today, videos and all that. But uh, I really like the fact that you can read on a handheld device now, uh, that you can take it with you. We have these old photos in the uh, in the memory books of people rushing out to buy the journal on VJ Day and that kind of thing. Well, now, of course, everyone's walking around with a uh, tablet or a, pretty much a phone in their hands. But there's so much reading available. And uh, I would say uh, it's uh, the deal of the century to uh, subscribe to a digital subscription to the journal. I would highly recommend people do that. And uh, there's an awful lot there uh, in addition to what's in the paper. Definitely. I agree. You've got customer testimonial right there. So, Michael, do you have anywhere on the Internet that people can find you that you'd like to share besides... The Projo. Yes, as a matter of fact, if you, well, besides the Projo, no, but uh, uh, if you go to ProvidenceJournal.com slash newsletters, uh, it'll take you to a page where you can sign up for my newsletter, and it's a weekly summary of what's going on, and I have pictures and all kinds of things that it, that's going on at the journal. Again, it's free, and uh, would be delighted. I have uh, a fairly large following right now, but I'd like it to be even bigger, and I make it kind of personal, talking a little bit about uh, what the photographers are doing and that kind of thing. So uh, if people can check that out, that'd be great. Great. Thanks for listening. For the full episode, including our book and movie suggestions, search for Downtime with Cranston Public Library in your podcast player. And to learn more about our show, 
you can go to cranstonlibrary.org downtime. Rhodey Radio is a project of the Office of Library and Information Services and is made possible by a grant from the Rhode Island Council for the Humanities. When you're listening to Rhodey Radio, you know you're listening to something good. Good.